0: Listener. Production. Market. The S&P. The ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is just about to double its price. I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer. He is Andrew Page, the Managing Director, Founder, and Chief Cook and Bottle Washer of strawman.com. Mr. Page, how are you? I'm very good. Very good, Scott. Yourself? You, I'm very well. Are you ready for us to double the price for our listeners? I think
0: I think we can justify it with this crazy inflation. It's time. actually as I tweet, as I tweeted out during the week. I don't know sure if you got the memo. It's it's not higher prices. It's not inflation.
1: It's cost of living pressures. Cost of living pressures. You are a cynical, cynical man, but I did have a smile when I saw that tweet. You're exactly right. It's oh, Funny how the uh, God help. Me. I want, Do you want, Do you reckon that inflation itself was the cliche before? I was thinking, as I saw your tweet. You know, it's like, you're right, we kind of, we put things away, okay, it's not higher prices, okay, it's not inflation, it's now cost of living pressures, it'll be something else next time, I wonder if, do you reckon inflation itself once upon a time was, you know, if the Andrew of 1962 was on, is on, you know, the Twitter version where he just, you know, graffitis a wall or something, and says, it's not inflation, it's higher prices, and then we kind of, you know, go through the motions, it'll be something else in three years' time, right?
0: Uh, I'm I'm sure it will, but I just, it's one of these old man shake fist at sky (laughs) scenarios where it's like we have these perfectly good words and phrases, and someone just reinvents, like we just add a a synonym, like for what purpose, I don't know. But the cost of living, I just think, is there a non monetary cost? (laughs) And is that cost me having to deal with? people and journalists inventing new phrases (laughs) (laughs) because
1: it drives me crazy Uh, i'm laughing only because uh while you're shaking your fist at one cloud i'm shaking my fist at another one it reminds me that (laughs) what we were referred to as the roy and hg of investing which i'm clinging to for dear life someone else did suggest we might be statler and waldorf from the muppet show and frankly that's a much much closer definition we probably we probably laugh a little more than them but not that much so uh so there is there is that as well Maybe before we do move on though um this strawman.com thing what is it
0: yeah, it's, it's uh, hard to remember, so it is, I, I, can't, I can't
1: fault you. It's a uh, private online investment club. Oh, so close. I was so close. He was, I mm. think, it was a Wizard of Oz thing, but it turns out not, which is which is kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> mate, we've, we've got a bit to talk about this week, and we talked about things. Uh, our, the price of our podcast for our listeners is doubling. Sorry, listeners, you're going to have to just cough up and double what you're paying. I, I know it's hard to swallow, but uh, frankly, I, I'm sure you'll agree that even paying double what you pay now, we are still... Questionable value, but you know it, it's worth listening to. I think, kind of maybe.
0: Well, well, Elon went from uh, zero to eight bucks a month. for what, what he's still, proposing yeah. has that been confirmed yet? Do we know? I well, he, you know, it, I, I was going to say he seemed pretty adamant about
1: it, but then he seemed pretty adamant about a bunch of things that never <laughs> happened. So we'll yeah, see. He's we'll adamant see. about Bitcoin too, till he sold it all. Um, yeah. I uh, <laughs> not all, yeah, so not all. You- <laughs> You talk about the, 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 the Twitter blue tick, of course. I've got a blue tick. And I was asked, tangent time, uh, I was asked, you know, would I pay for the tick? And you know what? I think I probably would. And and I said, you know, I was asked why. And I think, so I, I will say, and it's probably a good chance to say it, um, a lot of finance types get scammed, or sorry, get their accounts copied to try and scam followers. Mm-hmm. And on Facebook, I have had it done I want to say at least half a dozen times I know about, and probably more that I don't, where someone literally copies my entire page, photo, profile, name, the whole lot, and then hits up my, my followers. Now, the great thing is they hit up my followers with Bitcoin scams. And if there's been any benefit for anybody about me being stri- you know, very, very clearly on the fence, splinters in the backside on Bitcoin, it's a people like, no, no, that's not Scott. No, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. I and was, I was also sent a scam, funnily enough, on Twitter. Someone pretending to be Shane Oliver from AMP. And they yeah. just they just put two eyes in Oliver. You almost wouldn't see it, particularly that like glasses on. Some of us wear glasses these days. Um, and it was like, you know, hey, Scott, great, great investment opportunity. Hit me up if you're interested. And I was like, ah. Uh, and of course, then you look and go, oh, okay. Well, I mean, the channel was never going to do it, right? But mm. it is, it just is interesting. I, so for me, back to the story, the blue tick is, look, it's part the ego, right? Like, I feel good. has got a blue tick. And let's, let's let's call a spade a bloody shovel. Um, mm. But it's also, it does give you, and I wish I could, I've tried to be verified on Facebook half a dozen times as well for exactly the same reason that at least I can say to people, hey, I've got a verified account. If you get a, if you get something for a non-verified account, you'll know it's not me. And so there is, mm. particularly in the finance game, there is a little bit of value in, in in having that blue tick and being able to say, no, I'm 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 the real one for, for better or worse. Um, I don't. I, otherwise, though, I I reckon it's a smart idea. Let's be honest, Twitter's, Twitter's full of maniacs who want to be heard. That's why we do it, right? We all pretend yeah. we're not there for that reason. I'm there because I want to yell at the clouds and actually have people listen. I want an audience when I shake my fist at the cloud, goddammit, and the podcast apparently isn't enough. Um, <laughs> I reckon they'll pay won't they? Do you reckon? Well, you're right. I, yeah, I mean, of course Unless, unless it becomes, unless of it becomes course. so deeply uncool, unless yeah. it, you become a pariah for doing it, I figure everyone's going to pay. Of course, 100%. Everyone's going to complain and then everyone's going to pay. Well, yeah. 90, 90% of people are going to pay. <laughs>
0: exactly. Of course. Of yeah. course they will. I mean, I, 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 there's 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 something to be said. I think that we have... We're far enough into this experiment that is the internet um, <laughs> yeah. where it's time to potentially just maybe reimagine models. The whole... We have, we have been given everything for quote-unquote for free. Yeah. And we just expect it. We expect mm-hmm. incredible, mm-hmm. incredible offerings yeah. for free. And... Mm. And uh, you know it's the old saying: if if you're not the product, you are the product. <laughs> exactly. And we should be experienced and mature enough to know that if something yeah. is free, would, the, the the price is is that you're just you're giving all yeah. your data away. And the product, yeah. You might be cool with that. So I actually don't mind. I think YouTube's got a really good model where they basically say, hey, look, here's here's yeah. the contract. Same. We're going to show show you a bunch of ads if you don't want to pay. That's cool. That, I, that's how I roll. I'm happy yeah. to do that. Yeah. Or you can pay a small subscription, like five bucks a month or something, and we won't we won't do that. I mean that's that's I, mm, I think mm, that's. Mm pretty cool so are are a lot of people going to pay $300 a year to use Twitter no yeah. but but the thing is is that the the dynamics shift really radically even under very small payments and that's that's been proposed mm-hmm. as one way to get rid of the bots yes. is that they have these micro cost transactions yeah. with with yeah. with tweeting and stuff. something that might be like. oh one of a cent something that you would never feel mm-hmm, you could have mm-hmm. a, a buffer of, 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 of credits there Um but if you're going to spam like a, a ten million people, it becomes <laughs> yeah, unviable. Right? Yeah. Do you know. So there's yeah, a really interesting sense. model. So I, I look. I, yes, so to answer your question, I think people will pay. Mm-hmm. I think it's not. I think it's if it's just for the blue tick. There's one thing because mm. there's this whole uh, people have put a lot of effort into building that social capital. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if it comes with other benefits like the ability to post longer. Uh, Threads or mm, videos mm. or uh, I think they were talking about being prioritized in replies right. so and all of that kind. Of, I think I think when it, when you bundle it all up, yeah. And for, for some of us who you know use Twitter quite a bit, even if they're not active tweeters, like just as a, as a news source, mm. it's actually people would would happily spend a couple bucks a day on a newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. You know, so if you can't spend a couple bucks a, a week or even a month, mm. um, you know, for something that is is probably ten times more valuable, yeah, you know, exactly. I, I think there's, there's there's just a there's probably a paradigm shift mm. that is mm. that is coming on that front, and i would be interested to see how it goes. Good Can I just go to, sorry yeah, re- re- very quickly? I've got to jump. say, I don't have a blue tick. I, uh-huh. I looked at it once, and it just was like, oh god, that's like a bunch of hoops that, to jump through. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly, they didn't make it easy. No. The other thing is, I'm a little bit offended because no one's ever tried to like. Uh, emulate
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it'll be coming, any, it'll be anyone in the
0: public space has been like, there's like a thousand people, like you know, <laughs> copying their account. And people, people, not, I'm not even a come onto the scammers radar, and if I have, they have nah.
1: <laughs> like, it, I'm a little bit will come. It will come. Okay. It will come. I um, okay. I, I only say that because I got I was also hit up by someone else who I won't mention, not because I don't want to mention them, but because they're not a public figure in the same way that Shane Oliver is. Um, and so I just want to kind of you know. But but I, I have had a second one from a, another guy in the in the in the funds industry in the finance industry. Um, exactly the same kind of exactly the same scam. Is that Luke? Copy them. Yeah, it was Luke actually. Yeah, Did you get the same. So
0: yeah, Luke Winchester. He's worth a follow. Actually, he's an active straw man member as I didn't well. So to, uh, out, sh- I don't want to. I don't want to mention
1: Luke. him because he don't want to be mentioned. Given he was just spammed, but there you go. You've done it. So, so well. It's, that's good, okay, Luke. It's,
0: it's good. It's a good. Mentioning so if you get anything from from yeah. uh, Winnie yeah. from, from Luke Winchester, he, he's not gonna be contacting you with that <laughs> stuff. Very, very smart boutique it's fund true. manager, he's not contacting you with trading strategies. That's true. Um, but what's been funny about that is that a lot of people in FinTwit, like who know Luke, yeah. have engaged the scammer. And like they're, and then they're posting their reply. So it's like, how long can we drag drag this yeah. conversation out? Oh, I'm I'm yeah. quite interested. And you know, it's it's been <laughs> I won't repeat some of the colourful language that's been used, but they've kind of, like, dragged,
1: scammed this, trying to sort of scam the scammer, which has been really yeah, fun okay. to watch. There you go. There you go. I'd like, I, I missed all that, but that's uh, that's a bit of fun. All right, mate, um, let's let's get back to some semblance of agenda, of something we're going to talk about. Uh, let's start, as we do, with macro-ish stuff. Two things Not neither is a surprise this week. Uh, maybe, actually, it was. The RBA put rates up by a quarter of a percent on Tuesday, the US Fed put their rates up by three quarters of a percent, three times as much um, mm-hmm. on Wednesday night. Worth also saying, mate, just in doing that, the comparison between the two numbers because our official cash rate now, 2.85. The Yanks are at 3.75 to 4%. They run a range for reasons that I don't really care about. Um, but uh, I mean, you know, it's generally been the, the case that Australia's interest has been higher than the Yanks. Yeah, for, for most of my adult life, I'm pretty sure it's mm. been true. So not only are the, are the Americans going up hard. And faster than we are, but at a higher level and, and pulling away from, from us. Initially, uh, that was interesting for a whole lot of different different reasons. Um, but that's, that's happening. At the same time, we've also seen uh, food inflation. Well, he's reported food inflation at seven point three percent, just on Thursday morning. We record this on Thursday mornings, so as our listeners know, and that came out this morning, mate. Um, and I just—it's—it's it's one of those things where a, it's not new. B, we kind of all knew it because we've all seen it but there's some, is there something about black and white where you just kind of go, okay, well, that's really real. You know, it's, it's almost one of those one of those weird things where it's more real, even though you're it every day at the supermarket. When they kind of put it in black and white, like the number is X, you kind of go, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's kind huge. of the thing. Um, yeah, so let's, let's, start, let's start with rates. A uh, quarter of a percent on Tuesday. Good idea, bad idea? Um, uh, well, I had to.
0: I... I I mean, I'm always going to repeat my point, which I think is just such an inexact science. It's a thumb suck and then one that needs to be sort of rationally justified in some yeah. way, shape or yeah. form. Well, I'll, I'll ask me in a couple of years and I'll, I'll tell you what was the right <laughs> policy exactly. response. And that, exactly. that's, it, it's, you kind of have to say that, again, these are hyper complex dynamic systems with all mm-hmm. kinds of feedback loops and interdependencies. And it's just, I, I just, I think it's, I actually think it's legitimately yeah. an impossible task to know exactly what, Right. What you should do right. so it seems appropriate there was an interesting take from ross gittins is a really great financial commentator is, i'm yeah. sure most yeah. most listeners know him um he made the point that what's perhaps a little bit different in the modern era is that in a in a bygone age um each country sort of had its own sort of struggles and the central bank of that country would would make appropriate decisions yeah, yeah. these days we are so uh interdependent through our Mm -hmm. global trade routes and everything that that we're now seeing very um concerted uh, um coordinated action so it's not just like oh australia's in a little bit of a funk so we're having a a policy response but the us is otherwise strong and asia's powering Mm -hmm. along it's like everyone everyone on the planet virtually is struggling and every single central bank is raising rates aggressively Mm -hmm. so it's he made the point that it's sort of like well that's that's where you have the risk of, of overshooting a little bit because it's not just it's not just what we do here that matters for us. It's, it's obviously what the Fed is doing matters a lot for Corre- us. Right? Exactly. And, and it probably probably
1: matters more, right? When you think about the the, the whole thing, you know. Yep.
0: Yep. So uh, I mean, I, I I don't know. And it's just uh, I said to you off air. It's it's the choice between two bad outcomes. Yeah, which yeah. which bad outcome do you want? Do you want to like sort of risk knocking the economy over? Um, or do you want to let inflation right? run rampant? <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Both yeah. suck. Both yes, really yes, suck. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: and so you, you pick your poison. They'll, they'll probably go for somewhere in between. But and yeah. a, and again, not to make it about this. I just think that they're in a very, very, very difficult situation because mm-hmm. even with even with uh, and Alan Coleman made this point during the week as well. Even with the relatively slow pace of tightening we've seen in Australia, yeah. we are now experiencing the fastest pace of, of housing falls yep. uh, I think on record or at least since the 80s right? or okay. so yeah so now I've got to be careful with that because hey we're still miles up you know yeah, like correct. we had For, from know, when we, is
1: always the good question right yeah you yeah.
0: know my view but the number of people yeah. doing victory laps because Sydney prices are down 10% it's like yeah. man they were up 30% the year before so mm. let's mm. you know wake, wake me when there's a 30% fall because this this is this is really probably healthy if anything it's far, far from a disaster but it does it does what is interesting is that even with with these very small increases and a lot of people have been arguing for harder and higher and mm-hmm. earlier um, we've already seen that and yeah. I, we've seen the number i read this morning in the afr that the number of distressed listings are up 37 percent from a year ago the amount of housing finance is down 25 percent nationwide so there's a lot of indicators out there sort of suggesting that oh, actually things are slowing very slowly already even with mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. relatively tepid kind of response so do you, do you want to put everyone into massive distress uh, at, at the cost of inflation? I think a lot of us, whether we admit it or not, would probably say, I'd rather pay 7% extra on my groceries than, than have my home equity wiped out. Yeah. Um,
1: and I think the RBA is pretty cognizant of that. It's a devilishly difficult problem, mate, for, for all the mm-hmm. reasons you just highlighted. It's, it's, uh, my, my issue isn't the 7% more, it's the 7% plus 7% plus the 7%. It, yeah. you know, it's, if you take a view that, okay, we'll have inflation for then, you, then it says like, we're all fine, then fine. But whenever there's month-on-month sequential increases, my biggest concern is like, okay, 7% fine. Would you take that over? you losing your house. Of course you would. What about mm. 14? What about 21? What about 28? What about th- how, how long do you let this go for? Because if rates aren't the answer or can't be the answer, then we kind of put up our hands and go, sorry, I can't stop it. No, mm. gi- Giving up, can't do it. And this is this is the devilishly hard thing. I, I will again be... Uh, very critical of APRA for not using the the buffer, the, the lending affordability buffer, more aggressively and appropriately. I don't think, and again, we have different slightly different views on this. I don't think the RBA is to blame solely. They did what they did to try and maybe maybe prop house prices up for the wealth effect, but also just to get more money into the economy. Right, pay less on your house, more money to spend, keep spending it, great, all works perfect. And that normally would that that's that's a perfect thing to do, if ha- if asset prices had stayed flat in 2021 then we wouldn't have a fall now. APRA would have used that buffer perfectly. We'd have more money in the economy. They'd take more money out of the economy now without pushing back up, you know, repayments to stupid levels because there weren't stupid house price purchases. Um, and, and we'd be in a really, really different position. It just required a bit of foresight, a bit of thinking, a bit of 100%. strategy from, from APRA and or, and or Treasury and or the government and or everything else. But um, it's, a, it's, just a, it's just a really, it, it's, it's so painful to watch when it was so easily avoided. I think that, we expect- that's the bit that's frustrating.
0: Mate, we I hundred percent agree. We we expect way too much from the the RBA. They're yeah. A massively important institution, obviously okay. it's worth paying attention to. Obviously they've got a massive role to play, but it's just sort of like there are so many other possible responses <laughs> and levers, yeah. and some yeah. of them that can be far more targeted and effective. And so yeah. again, you, to the man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. And you know the the hammer here is is a lever on interest rates, yeah. and yeah. and that's all
1: they've got. And then well, so it's, the- it's almost the reverse, right? It's to, it's to a man with a hammer, everything has to be a nail yes it, so, so you know we, it, the rba is the hammer like they literally took, you know the, the, yeah. the rba is the government's hammer that's that's what it's yep. there to do and if you don't want to use a hammer cool the government apra someone else needs to say it's all right guys we got this one you know yep. it's not a, it's not a nail it's okay we'll take this and they didn't say so the aba is like well geez that's not a nail it's a screw or it's a bolt or it's a something but i guess i have to use the hammer because i got to try and make it work like, no, yep. no one else will give me any of the tools no one's used their tools they've said mate this 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 bolt's gonna go into this hole here's your hammer well okay. I, I mean I guess I'll do my best. Yeah, yep, Yep. It's 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 a diabolically
0: tough situation. Um so another tweet I did during the week. I don't often tweet, but I did I put a few out this week. And um there was I was reading a, More a fish thread on, clouds? I was reading a thread on the Chinese property market. It was it was let's just say it was pretty bearish. And the, the author was saying debt uh, this Chinese property market versus its GDP is three hundred percent it 's you know really record high it 's very concerning uh, for reference the u s property bubble in two thousand and six at its peak got to one hundred and fifty percent property value to GDP so I, I just said it 's three hundred and thirty percent in Australia and I just put that there. no comment, obviously you know people pile on afterwards yeah, us. and yeah. and what does that mean and you know, people read people read into it what what you want. Um, oh, that's but but again, just, I just I say that not to segue into anything else, but just to sort of point to the difficulty of the problem that that it is such. I've said before, the Australian economy is houses and holes. That's yeah. that's what yeah. we do. We yeah. we take this wonderful gift from from nature and the most incredibly resource rich. Abundant nation on earth, and we put it all into uh, we put it all into like our, our houses, which is all fake money because you can't really spend it. Um, and and um, and we dig more holes and we we sell rocks. It's 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 such a shame. But 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 that that amount of leverage mm. has has for what whatever reason you want to sort of say how we got here, whatever. But it, it that is why we have to do these tiny little yeah, quarter of right. a percent moves because the whole damn thing could come could come crashing down if they go too hard you know in the fight to kill inflation we we we, we wipe out the the life the lifetime savings of you know half the population
1: mm, mm, mm. yes <coughs> me, sorry i i think that's i think that's right and that's the that's the challenge we find ourselves in as a country as an economy um yeah we shall see <laughs> we shall see how that ends yeah. up i i have i have no great new wisdom um other than I, I remain convinced that a recession is better than inflation, permanent endemic inflation, but... Uh, you know that, that that those are two very blunt words that have a range of outcomes and meanings and you know is the recession yeah. better than two percent inflation no it's better than 58 percent inflation obviously where in between does it make sense is a you know is a deep inflation a deep recession that lasts for six years better than inflation is a three-month recession better than you know there are very different you know circumstances within each of those words again um which which make a massive massive difference i, I go on. i i was just gonna say i think one thing's worth sort of
0: drawing out a little bit here is that we often in this industry will talk mm. about you know recessions and higher costs of living etc cetera, etc cetera. Yep. Uh, and I was speaking to a friend the other day and I was sort of saying well you know as bad as things might get you know we survived the 70s yeah. people say our grandparents survived the the uh, 30s and 40s it'll be bad but we'll be okay and I just thought oh man you're living in a bubble like the the, the reality is is that that a lot of people in the Top part of society financially will be fine. It'll yeah. suck. My yeah. portfolio will yeah. go down, yep. but you know I'm still eating my smoked salmon and whatever. <laughs> um, it, I think what we often forget here is that when yeah. we say higher inflation and recession and that, it, it, for, for a lot of people, it actually means actually I don't have a job anymore. Yeah. My my retirement savings have, have just been wiped out. Like you know I'm I'm moving into a, a tent. <laughs> like it's sort of you know these these are it's easy to. I know I know you weren't saying this but it is it is easy to sort of say oh well yep, it would totally. be good good for the and you you see it's yep. always people in, in privileged yep. positions you know it would be good for us to have a, a recession It's like well yeah but not not for a lot of people <laughs> you know um, and it's always I just I lament because it is always it is always the poor that bear the yep. brunt yep. Uh, yep. of these of these decisions which is a shame
1: I um, I was asked on ABC Radio during the week uh, what else we could or should do. And I said, well, clearly I'm not running for politics because the two things, and we've talked about superannuation before, using super as a as a way to <coughs> put money into and out of the economy, changing the superannuation guarantee levy. Uh, you know, when things are really good, uh, you want to take some money out of super or, or reduce the levy, uh, sorry, increase the levy to put money into super. When things are bad, you want to go the other way. That's one way, one mechanism that could be used. Another one, frankly, is GST or tax or income taxation, and uh, that, that that's the point at which the announcer went. Well, uh, I guess that's uh, into your political career, Scott. I said, yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah. Um, but it's but it is you know, to your point. You know, it's and we think we might talk about this last week. But you know, only a third of us have mortgages, and of those, of that, you know, a, a large chunk will have very very small mortgages relative to house prices and/or their incomes because they're yeah. borrowers who've had loans for five, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, um, and some that took out a loan. Six months ago, right at the very peak of the property market, mm-hmm. who are now underwater and, and facing massive increases, it's a it's a uh, there is no there is no easy answer, mate. But but mm-hmm. spreading the pain or spreading the pain is the wrong word because it, again it all starts political already. St- sharing the responsibility for slowing inflation should be as broad a task as is possible to do arguably even, you know, if you want to talk about a flat tax, well, it's just do something else. If you want to talk about it progressively, then maybe it's maybe it's taxation or something else. The hardest part, mate, honestly, is it's the reverse of, to my mind, of, of if you want to spur economic growth, you want to give money to those people with less savings with a greater propensity to spend. In other words, frankly, those are lower incomes because they're going to spend every single extra dollar you give them, keeping the lights on, paying the bills, buying food, you know, clothes, whatever – you give more money to, to Twiggy Forest, he's probably going to say thank you very much, and he'll trouser it, or he'll buy another company or something, which isn't isn't putting mm. money into the economy per se. Mm. Um, the flip side, unfortunately, is also true when you're trying to restrain inflation. Right, you can tax Twiggy a bit more, and it's not going to take it not going to take any inflationary pressure away because he's not spending it anyway. So mm. that that's the other part of the problem. Even if you do go with tax of some description, you, you can increase Twiggy's taxes by five percentage points, and the government have some more money but it wouldn't change inflation. It's it's got to come out of the, the money that's being spent and again unfortunately those on lower incomes have a greater proportional you know marginal propensity to spend in both directions which which makes the whole thing even more cruel as you say. It's a it's a prickly problem it really is. Yeah. I yeah, I don't I, well let's move on. I, it's it's a tough one mate. There's, there's no there's no good answer. Uh, yeah, I would I would use I would use a, a broader uh, in 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 i mean rates have to be used for some degree because they are foreign exchange and there's other things that, that interest rates do that, that have a broader impact than just using other things but i think used in tandem with something else uh, to help people who you know don't need to get, get smashed further but also you know spread that load a bit more fairly across the, the the rest of the population would be the right thing to do i think particularly on inflation mm-hmm. we could we could put you know tax is always bad because tax is tax and someone's listening now saying well i'm already paying too much tax okay fine but the reality is, we have to take money out of the economy to slow inflation, and we've all got to pay it. Inflation, you know? inflation is a form of tax. Yeah, true. That's, true. that's right. Exactly. You might as well pay it one way or the other, right? Yep. And the other, and the other thing is, taxes go back down if prices never go back down. That's, that's why inflation is so brutal. It just, mm. you know, prices go up and then they go up and then they stabilize and then they go up. We, we, don't, we don't see prices come down. Mate, let's, um, let, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> speaking of politically sensitive, let's talk about climate change. Hooray. Oh, um, oh don't you <laughs> start. Uh, I, I I raised this one I, I said to you before off air we probably talk about climate more than some people would like us to and that's fair enough um, uh, maybe not as much as others would like us to and that's also fair enough I, I was we'd, every morning when we'd sit down and do this we would scroll through the papers and kind of try and pick the, the big stories make sure we haven't missed anything make sure we've got all the stuff that was worth talking about and I scroll through the Finn review uh, on there, on there, one time, once upon a time I would have said I flicked through the AFR, but I haven't bought the physical paper in I don't know how many years. Uh, top of the section, you know, above the fold, all the big headline stories, all that kind of stuff. The second section or the first kind of, you know, segmented section in the paper, or at least online on the homepage, is the company's section. And I'll just share with you the first three stories. The first one, the big one on the left-hand side with the big, top, big font, lights would go out under Cannon Brook's one and a half degree target, says AGL. And then the next one is BHP wants Australia to ban new petrol cars by 2035. Below that, no policy question mark? No renewables powerhouse it says BP. Uh, yeah, I don't. I I think it's. I, I don't want to get necessarily into the climate change science per se. Uh, what I what I think is really interesting about this, and and we also need to be careful of greenwashing and other things. AGL has a dog in the fight, of course, uh, but it's that 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 company's future is dependent on the the decisions it makes around climate. BHP, BP, uh, both saying, "Hey, we'd like you guys to do something on policy, please." And again, let's assume there's a bit of greenwashing involved. So let, let's let's take it with a grain of salt. Maybe a maybe you know, a bit more than a pinch. But let's assume that's let's assume that's true. Um, it's just a lot, and I, and I don't even necessarily have a, a specific point on this one, other than I think we're past the tipping point. I really think policy-wise, hopefully God help us, hopefully not on the climate itself, but on policy at least. When you've got bhp and bp both calling for policy change when you've got the 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 federal what's that automotive chamber of what's the car manufacturer called yeah whatever it is the the car manufacturers kind of lobby industry group are saying we would like an ev policy please could we please have you know uh some rules around how many evs we need to sell and what our average emissions might be these are not these are not small changes these are big businesses doing frankly what they've been doing for a few years but maybe even a little bit more recently which is a, we'd like some certainty because we want to invest and we want to know what we need to do. And B, we kind of—I think our people largely—we talked about coal mining and, and the remuneration of coal miners this time last year, last week. But it just—it just strikes me that right? there's, there's—it feels like I, I, th- I honestly think we're—I think we're past the tipping point. I think this is where we're at.
0: Mm. Yeah, I hope
1: so. Um,
0: now, BHP um, happened to have. Um, more than a dog in the fight because there's a lot of any any transition to more renewables going to take a lot of copper and lithium and the rest of it so right. you know they they would they would love more excuse to dig some of that stuff up and I'm I'm not saying that they shouldn't by the yeah, way yeah. I'm just I'm just you know never ask the barber if you need a haircut <laughs> is, is is probably the saying to be had yeah. there but yeah I think yeah. I think you're right it's been it's been it's actually not even a new phenomenon this 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 cry out for certainty it's like well whatever wherever the you know mm-hmm. the, the axe is going to fall just 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 make it fall let us know where yeah. we stands because these yeah. these these projects whether it be mining or energy a big billion dollar mm. in some cases decade-long kind of things um, you mm. know just build a nuclear plant for example I think it takes about 15 years once you get through yeah. all the planning approvals and the rest of it you just yeah. you don't you don't embark on such a massive long-term spend without any kind of certainty so mm. it's an important first step I, I hope I hope the political powers that be rise, rise to the call, and, and we just get on with it. Yeah. And I, I say that, one, because I kind of like planet Earth,
1: so that's kind, of, kind of cool. Um, <laughs> I don't want to share a all... rocket with Musk to Mars. Can you imagine you're going to rocket with... I mean, for for all of Musk's genius... Imagine how can you imagine how grating he would be on a on a rocket tri- trip to Mars. Like, By the way, God of God, Chad, yeah, Mars Mars is a pretty
0: harsh place to live. Go go live in Antarctica for three months <laughs> and then tell me you want to live on Mars, right? Um, it's it's yeah. going to be pretty brutal. But yeah. but but the the main main reason well, not the main no, no, The main reason is existential. So let's let's be yeah. clear. The, the the second main reason is that that we can make a fortune out of it. There's a lot of money to be ca- made in in this. Um, there's, yeah. there's one, there's one group of very obvious losers who actually don't employ a lot of people and actually don't pay a lot of tax, and you know, so it sucks, sucks for them. But yep. you know, like the tobacco companies before them, they've had decade at least to see what's coming down the road. So whether or not they position themselves appropriately, it's kind of on them. And then there's the other 95% of us who who, state, who stand to make a lot of money and 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 improve the world. So I I feel as though it'd be great if we we just got on with it.
1: I, it's fascinating to me too, mate, you mentioned BHP having a dog in the fight with lithium and cobalt and things, whatever they're digging up, copper. Uh, I thought it was also fascinating that uh, BHP is now, what is it, has it been even six months since they managed to get rid of all their oil and gas assets to Woodside? Wipe their hands, kind of go, hey, now we'd like a policy, please. It's like, guys, where were you, you know, there was was a very significant amount of of self-interest in that. Of course Um, there is. By the way, but this is say, this is what yeah. we
0: need to unleash. I'm gonna I'm yes. gonna channel the Gordon Geckos of the world here and say greed is <laughs> oh, good, dude. right? Greed, for want of a better word,
1: is good. Come on, you gotta get the quote,
0: the full. Quote. You know, there's, there there is money to be made. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I congratulate um, the the board and management team of BHP to just recognize it's gonna. Yeah. Just, yeah. we don't need to get bogged down in ideological debates. You know, it's just let's just be realists here. This is the what yeah. the world is very very clearly going in a certain direction, yeah. and we'll dragging our heels and things should have been done, but it's just going that way. <laughs> yeah. And they just made they made the right call and that they are protecting shareholder wealth over the long term and yep. and, and now they now they want to get on with, with making some investments and making making some sweet, sweet cash. <laughs> with, and, with the flight, and if, okay. Oh well just I didn't if if we all in the world benefits as a result of that then so be it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's it. I, it BHP I gotta say BHP as an organization, wipe your hands of it. I'm also mindful they demerged the shares and gave their current BSP shells some Woodside shares in the process. So it wasn't exactly like they said, hey, guess what? We've solved your problem. It's like, we've made our problem your problem dear shareholder you can sell your shares if you want but if you don't want to, you don't that's okay uh by the way bang you just get hit by a bus we just drove over you saying there should be a there should be a pan on petrol and diesel cars i just thought it was an interesting kind of uh switcheroo and again as you say it was the right thing to do corporately probably uh but uh but given they demerged that rather rather than actually sold it to someone who took the cash and gave the cash to shareholders uh, yes they had the choice to do whatever but you kind of it's like you know, you, you know there's something there's something about getting hit by the by the car you sold to somebody that's not quite as much fun right yeah.
0: Although I, I would say I would say that kind of at this point, you know and we've I've made the case this year that there's a really strong case for investing in, in some of this old world energy stuff for various yeah, yeah. for various yep, reasons. Yep, yep. But but, if you're going into that, you need to go into it eyes wide open, and yes. there, there are there are risks associated with that, so I, I it's going to be very difficult in five or ten years time for anyone to sort of cry foul that yeah. oh, it's unfair, and I, I didn't,
1: didn't see know. this yeah. coming and if, if
0: any of these risks make you uncomfortable, so you share, it's that easy? out yeah. your smartphone, press three buttons, you're done, you're out yeah. and put it yeah. somewhere else you know? so because- or not, and there's maybe there's good reason not to and I, I want to be careful here because I've actually said there's there's some very interesting sort of dynamics at play, but just mm. just know what yeah you know, this this is investing i think too often we, we th- we've been spoilt i think but sort of between the gfc and in 2020 in the sense mm, that we yeah. just expect all return no risk kind of thing investing is risk <laughs> right, right. That, that maybe some property investors might find this out the hard way in the coming years but this is this you don't get to have all the upside without risking some downside that is the nat- that is what we are doing here mm. um and and just need to be cognizant of it i
1: guess yeah i think that's right i, I yeah i think and I, I am mindful there's probably a decent amount of greenwashing too um yeah sure you know i i'm i'm still not sure so bhp and impala and both launched their kind of you know electric charging stations recently and i'm still not entirely sure where some of those guys sit and it must be a really difficult thing for those businesses to to even even if they genuinely want to make a transition, to make it in a responsible way that doesn't destroy shareholder wealth, doesn't annoy current staff, potential partners or like it's a, it's a really difficult dance to do, right? To extract yourself mm. from it, you can do a, you can do a BHP and say sell the whole lot of it and then start with whatever's left. But if you BP, it's like, what are we left with? Ah, flower logo, and you know a bit of brand recognition, and a couple of charges we put into a couple of stations. I mean, there is there is some work to be done, I think, in some of those things to to transition. And even then, selling the assets, a bit like ethical investing, BHP sold the assets. Didn't there was no less oil and gas in the world? They just just put it from one hand to another hand and said, "See, it's gone." Look at (laughs) that—that's the old uh, the old magician's trick. So there there is all of those things going on at the same time. Did you see? Speaking of which, we'll get back to investing in a minute. In the Guardian. I was—it I, was a tweet that I was um, must have seen somehow. Some bloke's done the work. Well, I say some bloke. He's an expert guy, so you know, I say some bloke. I should even know his name. Apparently, he tracked the national energy grid over the last six years, and something like if we had sixty percent of our current grid capacity fueled with solar and forty-five percent with renewables, which adds up to more than one hundred percent. But stick with me. Um, something like that, that and a five-hour battery backup. The lights would have been on ninety nine percent of the time over the last six years. Is is it Saul Griffith? No, it wasn't actually. It was um, someone else who'd done the work. Um, Hmm. I I can try desperately to find the Twitter. No, it's okay. I just I mentioned
0: him because I know he's. Yeah, you mentioned him before. No, it wasn't
1: him at all. It was someone who's who's tracked the energy market, and it was just a, you know, it it wasn't it wasn't about electrifying the grid per se. It was literally just about if we used wind and solar, uh, and five hours of storage. We could have had the lights on 90%. Now, 90% of the time's not enough, <laughs> obviously, mm. but it was just that that idea of, you know, we wouldn't need, and, and I think I think the answer was the rest would be um, a gas peaker plant. So a gas plant you turn on quickly, just make up whatever gap every now and again when you need Yeah, they're to, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just, and, and for all of the talk about what we do need, what we don't need, how much storage we might need, all that kind of stuff, I just thought it was fascinating. Six years, now again, is the six years necessarily. Um, uh, representative of, of the future or even the past? I don't know. And I don't even think this guy's making a particular point. He's just literally started tracking it six years ago. I said, okay, let's track it and see what would happen if we had five hours of storage and 60% of the, the grid capacity was solar, 45% was renewables. In other words, we have to add total net capacity to make that happen. So that's fine. But um, I, just, I just thought it was interesting, mate, for all of the talk about what we do and don't need and what we can and can't do, mm. um, just a, a fascinating bit of work that was done. It was, I opened my eyes because I've, I've been pretty agnostic on nuclear for example um you know, you know i don't i don't love the idea that it's potentially polluting potentially there's disaster and storage issues but if it gets us out of, out of you know fossil fuel emissions quicker then we should just do it right and eventually find a way to remove the risk but like just just do it right <laughs> yeah. Wait, waiting for wind while we, while we kill the earth because we don't want nuclear would be stupid on the flip yeah. side if we don't have to have nuclear i'd be the first to say like, thank god let's not do it because we don't need mm-hmm. the risk um so i'm literally again i like to sit on the fence where i can I don't really care which one of those gets there first. I just want to get rid of carbon as quickly as we can. That, that's that's the key, right? After that, we can argue about which non-carbon source is best. Um, but it seems like we're not miles away from being able to do it, at least in Australia. Yeah,
0: I, we really do need to let the engineers run things for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. Engineers like are smart. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. They, they work within the, the the physical universe as it is, not as, <laughs> as they would have it be. And yep, they're yep. really capable people it's all backed on maths and the laws of thermodynamics and (laughs) yeah yeah you know this is speaking of Saul he had a crack at Twiggy and and, um um Alan Finkel some of their hydrogen projects just basically pointing to some very hard limits and you know even assuming perfect efficiency in some of these processes, which is Mm. not engineering possible from an engineering standpoint, but even going with that, it's sort of like, he's just saying like, yeah, yeah, there's just a really much better way of doing it. But, but again, ideology and personal and self vested interests get involved with all of this kind of Mm. stuff. So, Yeah, it's not, it's not surprising. In fact, I'm sure you could have found some pretty decent engineers 10 years ago could have told you the same thing, if not 20 years ago. So it's, yeah, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> yes, it's really, it's really, really frustrating that, that we don't do these yeah. things. And, and again, not, not environmental reasons are, are a very important one, but just security, um, health, yep. Yep. Um, uh, cost. Uh, you know jobs uh, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of, a lot of really 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 good reasons to do this stuff so anyway mm-hmm.
1: uh, I'm, I'm just going to read this mate I don't want to drag this out for long we have to but I do want to read this because I got, I got the time frame wrong so it's important I want to correct the record but I also found the article so it's more useful uh, David Osmond is the guy's name so I'll just quote the Guardian for a sec so the Guardian wrote quote David Osmond Canberra based engineer with the global energy developer Wind Lab, is among those with a markedly different evidence base to take for more than a year, he has been posting weekly results <laughs> Can I just on... say remarkably different evidence-based? There, there, therein lies a sentence that explains
0: everything <laughs> wrong with the world because, because yeah. the evidence-based is, is, whoa,
1: okay. evidence what? Okay. <laughs> okay uh, if you my my ideology doesn't way. agree with that. Can we just use the ideology instead? All right. <laughs> oh Quoting again. For more than a year, he has been posting weekly results from a live simulation, tracking what would happen in Australia's main electricity grid if it relied primarily on renewable energy. Using a live stream of electricity data from OpenNEM, he adjusted inputs to see what would happen if there was enough wind and solar to supply 60% and 45% of demand respectively. So I got that entirely wrong. Wind was 60, solar was 45. So let's get that right. He then goes on, the article then goes on, he, ha- he had enough short-term storage, likely to be in the form of batteries, to supply average demand for five hours. The results are encouraging. They suggest close to 100% of demand, that is 98.9% over a 61-week period. I said six years. It was 61 weeks. My apologies. Could be delivered by solar and wind, backed by existing hydropower and the five hours of storage. Nearly 90% of demand was met by renewable energy, and 10% had to pass through storage. So, end quote, by the way. So that was the, uh, that was the, that was the article. Just you, know, you think, okay, well, if we're that close, what if we had six hours or seven hours of storage? Or, you know, or what if we had a gas peaker plant or something else? Uh, it, do, it does remind us that there are... We are not that far, speaking of tipping points, we're not that far from a solution. Mm. Motley
0: full Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener.
1: Mate, let, let, let's take controversy land because I reckon you've got some thoughts on this. I actually have a feeling you have thought, thoughts might be different on this too, which is going to make it a fun conversation. There is some, speaking of conversations, there are some discussions happening about the concept of the, quotes, sophisticated investor. You know, I've talked about this context, uh, this, this label before in the context of uh, you talk about retail investors. Uh, there are labels that we apply to things and, and they mean different things. We've talked about, you know, sophisticated basically just meaning rich. But there are some current conversations, as I said, being done as to whether or not that description, that definition would be changed or just whether the appropriate level of sophistication, i.e. wealth, um, will actually be changed to allow for more investors, or sorry, fewer investors, to actually fall under that category. Now, let's let's break this up a little bit and I'll explain the theoretical idea behind this and then we can get into the what's and whys and wherefores. In theory, the idea was once upon a time, there was this definition which basically meant if you passed a test, if you were considered a sophisticated investor, air quotes, the seller of financial products didn't need to give you as much information you didn't have the same disclosure rules there wasn't the same rules around prospectuses is prospect should we call them i'm not sure what the plural of prospectus mm. is Prospecti. i yeah, sure. um uh, you know you could basically do what you wanted to do uh but you didn't have to basically justify yourself in the same way and that seems to be that was the idea. The idea was, okay, if you're rich or sophisticated air quotes or you're a, you're a, you know, a fund manager or something else, you simply didn't need as much information as you or me, the, the, the retail investor, Andrew. Um, the the idea I hate of, you know, that, that, term. that I know you do that's why I'm using it uh, the the idea <laughs> of being different now there is as I said a, a conversation uh, so let's 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 just cover our definitions here under the current rules this is quoting the Australian an investor must have either 2.5 million dollars in assets or an income of 250 thousand dollars a year for two years in a row. They also then say, which this is important, there is no test whatsoever to determine if the applicant is actually sophisticated in relation to finance or markets, end quote. And given the concerns, there there have been some changes moved to. The Financial Services Council is suggesting it should be $5 million rather than $2.5 million to pass the test. The Financial Planning Association is saying the income test should be set at $350,000. And then the Australian says virtually all lobby groups want the criteria indexed to inflation in the future. Now, apparently last year, again, I'm quoting this, stockbrokers moved quickly to ensure the Australian Financial Complaints Authority did not exceed its regulatory ambit when it ventured into policing the area. Uh, there's, there's uh, turns out, mate, incentives, speaking of incentives, as we did, there are <laughs> people on both sides of this one. Where do you stand on what rules should be applied to separate out those who get more information and those who can get away with having less? I I
0: seem I tend to think that anyone offering any kind of financial product should be beholden to a certain set of disclosures. Yeah, you know, um, just because you're rich, does that mean that you don't need information, or is it just expected that you'll be smart enough or savvy enough to ask for it? Or yeah. You know, I I, I mean, it's a stupid definition. And, you know, retail investor is just a nice way of saying poor investor. (laughs) That's right. It's it's just just retail, that's right, that's right. You know, it's just such a derogatory term. Um, Some of the smartest investors I know are are quote-unquote retail investors and some of the dumbest investors I know are quote-unquote sophisticated (laughs) investors. So the the terms are useless. Um, Yeah, but I mean, that seems to be the unspoken idea here is that, well, we don't need to because... Because we, we, I mean, we've tacitly admitted it's got nothing to do with your sophistication. Yes, correct. Right? Correct. So, it, so it's the implication is, well, if you've got that much money, you can afford to lose it. Mm. And and I'm sure that a lot of people advocating for less disclosures, is well, why why do you want that? It's like, I guess it saves you a bit of work and time and effort, but I mm. guess it also mm. makes it easier to package up and sell stuff as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't know. What'd I don't you do you I'm, I'm actually, I'm a little bit torn because, on one hand, yeah, I kind of think same. if you've got millions and millions of dollars and you know you're happy enough to plow some money into something without sort of asking some very basic fundamental questions, yeah. then maybe that's sort of on you. But, yeah. you know, I don't, I just, it seems to open the door for, for more
1: cowboyish behavior. Yeah. Mm. From product creators, yeah, yeah, it's product manufacturers. I prefer actually because it tells exactly what it is. Um, I, that, that's the that's the one euphemism I actually think is is actually appropriate. Like, they're literally making something for you to buy. That, that's, that, mm-hmm. that's better than, you know, oh, I'm a fund manager. I provide, you know, I, I've, I've listed these assets for you to invest in, or I've now made these funds available to you. No, no, I've manufactured something to sell to you. That's why I love the, yep. I love, that's the one you feel I really, really like. Um, I'm with you. I, it's funny, mate, actually, we had different perspectives. I honestly have never seen retail investor as a derogatory thing. I just never, never it's never, just never struck me that it, it just, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's not very clever phrase and it's not particularly descriptive and it's supposed to separate out those who aren't fund managers so what else what do you what do you call those people um so yeah private investor them. yeah it's, but i just I've, like self-directed it, investor but the same thing is the same thing right it doesn't need to be derogatory we talked about labels earlier right the the uh, cost of living pressures I, for me retail investors have just never been derogatory i just have never i've never maybe it's i don't know if it's because you have a finance background in you, pro- or other places or but I've, i just honestly have it's never the way said it's it that way
0: no oh, I think maybe I'm reading into it too much but it, I do feel it's the way it's, it's used yeah, no, from so those right. in the industry it's yeah, almost yeah, yeah. said with a a, tang, <laughs> a, a tinge of, of derision <laughs> yeah, you right. know yeah. Oh, that, well that's for retail yeah, you, okay, know? Okay. And okay. Just, you know and it's also got the
1: other this sort of names, if we started calling yeah. self-directed investors, they'd say that about oh that's for the self-directed guys it ended up being the same thing yeah. right? we ended up with
0: a new label I guess my anger is a lot at the the, the people in the yeah. the industry. I agree. Um, I agree with that. Geez, it was a horrible industry, but it's also <laughs> it's, it's there's a there's a consumerist connotation yeah. to it. Yeah, you know, yep. like retailing, yep. like oh, we're you know we, we go out, we go shopping for shares, mm, we buy mm, and sell mm. shares. It's just it's all very transactional. Whereas you know maybe I'm just yeah. more old school, where it's like you know like yeah. Buffett, I feel as though I'm I'm buying parts of a business and I want to I want to I, I want to be an owner in some really great businesses for many years, and I'm gonna. Hopefully, build some real wealth that way. Retail just sounds too transactional. Too yeah. con, con, like there's a consumerism angle to yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. That's I don't fair. know. Look, like a lot of a lot, like a lot of things I rail at, they're really not that. <laughs> you know, in the grand no, in the I grand like scheme it. of I like. things. I know. I'm just. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> but, genuinely. It's
1: not. Not. I'm not disagreeing. With it, I'm just genuinely fascinated because it's never ever struck me that like retail is It's always a clumsy term, but it's never felt. It's never yeah. felt derogatory. I've never. I've never actually had that sense of like. It, it's being used or arbitrary. maybe I, just don't, I don't know the right people um so so the sophisticated investing this is the one i i am really torn on to mate because i've heard and this is I think if this gets back to the the retail investor or self-directed investor or say private investor um it gets back to that actually almost almost entirely which is really fascinating that we get back to this point i've i've argued your line for a very long time if if a level of disclosure is appropriate for someone like you and me and and other people listening then it should be appropriate for everybody, and mm. giving someone less disclosure because they got more money seems to be a get out of jail free card for those people trying to push a product, right? Mm. Uh, it's it's really crap, but I don't have to tell you how crap it is because you've got enough money that I can pretend it's not. That that's kind of the, and I think that's that I'm, I'm absolutely absolutely sure in some cases that's legitimate. I have had though people in the finance industry say to me, actually, you no, know, the the fund managers rely on that. That that's kind of the point, right? Is if if I want to go on institutional capital raising are a great example, right? As a, as a shareholder, if you have to give me a prospectus with the full details or everything else, I get this big thing. It takes a lot of time, money, effort, energy to put together, and whatever. If I want to go and raise five million dollars from, you know, uh, strawman funds incorporated uh, with 158 billion dollars under management, I can just say, hey guys, I need 50 million bucks. Uh, here's what's going on. Do you want? Yeah, okay, I'll invest. Sure, let's do it. Hmm. And so there is there is a line somewhere there, and I I am I'm aware of that reality that there are people not. It's not the fact that some are being taken advantage of by giving not enough information. Some are saying. I'd like to take advantage of that. Please don't give me as much information. I don't need it. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. So it's, mm. it, it, there's almost, to mind, there's almost three categories, or maybe just two, but done differently. Rather, than sophisticated investor. There's some element of like, if you're a professional fund manager, or, or you have, you know, there, there must be, there must be a structural way to have this conversation, which says, if you manage money on behalf of others up to a, or over a certain amount of money, then you know that that's a different category of investor than anybody regardless of cash who isn't just not in that situation mm. with very 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 large amounts of money it's not so much about money, how much i got it's how much is being pooled with mine how much how risky does that make it sound all that sort of stuff so i think mm. I'd, i think i'd keep a delineation but i think i'd make it about funds management however you define that versus non-funds management call it private investors to make you happy rather than retail investors but i don't know <laughs> i don't use that as the as the classification because like i said the funds want that less disclosure stuff because they want to take advantage of some capital raising opportunities. They don't want the information. Companies don't want to give it to them because it's just easier for both parties. I don't think we should stand in their way necessarily at an institutional level. So maybe that's where I'd put the line. I wouldn't have any uh, uh, private investor be allowed to be called sophisticated or not for the reasons you've talked about. But I do get the benefit of maybe at a fund level saying, I need to raise some capital. Don't, don't get in my way. It's easier not to. What do you think about that?
0: I would have a stronger opinion if I was able to be classed as a
1: sophisticated <laughs> investor. <laughs> I, yes, that, they're the people who complain by the way. That, the other yeah. thing is, yeah, the thing that annoys me is, it's, it's, human, it's that human nature of like, it's pride and, and greed. It's like, yeah. I feel like, oh, I'm a sophisticated, oh, they're offering me something they're not offering everybody else because I'm a sophisticated investor. You feel like saying to those yep. people, dude, no they're not. They, they, they're going to you because they don't have to disclose everything. You don't miss yep. it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm far from convinced I'm missing, I'm not a sophisticated investor. I'm far from convinced I'm missing anything meaningful by not being a sophisticated investor, right? But people say, oh, but I am, so therefore I'm better. And, and that, that greed and kind of the the ego thing and the, you know, I want to be a sophisticated investor so it makes me feel better. It's like, that's not kind of how it works, you know? It's like being a VIP at a casino. Yeah. It's just like- yeah. Oh, the VIP lounge of I mean? every pub. No, no, it's not the yeah. pokey room, it's the VIP lounge. Oh, wow, that VIP, sounds great. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, free drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it bargain. Is. Oh, mate, it's out of control. Uh, hey, can we, finish, yeah. can we finish quickly with a, yep. with a disclosure? Let's. I uh, I I officially own Tesla shares now.
0: What?
1: Yeah. Sorry. Tesla. I, Elon. Elon Tesla. Elon, yeah. Yeah. Elon Tesla. Wow. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me about it. Uh, it does not make me happy. Can I say? He. Well. So let, let's 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 drop the drop the facade. I do officially own some Tesla shares on behalf of my young bloke, my nine year old, who I've finally got started. I, you, you, we've talked about before. I've got some, I've, we're investing some money on his behalf, but I wanted to get him involved in the idea of investing of, of putting aside some of his pocket money or some money he earns from whatever you know birthday money that kind of stuff he's not working he's nine. but you know if we, when we take the cans up to the can collection thing he get some of that money and uh, he gets money from grandparents and just stuff like that and so we, we've we've done the we've done the the idea of you know you spend some you save some you invest some and you give some so they're the kind of four things mm. and when he gets every every 10 bucks we divide that up and certain amounts go in certain buckets so the amount he's going to invest in quotes, uh, we want him just to, to kind of do it himself, to get involved in the idea, to learn about what it is to be an investor. And while I would happily just have him in ETFs and be done with it, I wanted him to kind of, you know, get the concept of what it means to own shares in a company, what a company is, how it works, how you need to think about it. And so, God love him, he's in an age group now where he's impressed by fast cars, and so he's already decided when he when he gets old he's going to buy a Lamborghini. Uh, which is fine. You can, have that. you can have that dream for a while. I think we've probably all been there <laughs> at one point or another. Uh, and so I said, mate, what do you want to buy? And he said, well, I want to buy, now you wonder who owned Lamborghini and Bugatti. And it turns out the answer is Volkswagen and I can't get Volkswagen shares through the broker we're using. Uh, so I said, okay, what else do you want? So he, he's actually, he owns, or you the account's in my name because it's only a small amount of money, it wasn't worth it. But he owns, or, or I own, uh, a small number of, a fraction of a Tesla share, a fraction of a Microsoft share, as it turns out. He also wanted to buy some Amazon, uh, which I also already own, so that was easy. Uh, and we're probably going to do something else. We, we, I, I threw a hundred bucks into his account, so you can have, you know, tw- put 25 bucks on four different companies and we'll start there. Uh, so that, that's, so yes, I now officially, for better or worse, as much as it pains me to actually have to admit it out loud, Andrew. And by the way, the other reason I want to say it is also selfishly. It goes on my full profile as the stocks I own. And uh, someone at mm. some going to look at that and go, Oh, you own Tesla? Yeah. Like, You're bullish on Tesla, are you? Not really. No, I just. Ian wanted to buy some Tesla shares. So he has $25 <laughs> worth of Tesla shares in his, in his brokerage account at the moment.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> it is. It is forty six percent cheaper than it was a year ago, so go. maybe now's the time to buy. I'm just looking at it on Yahoo Finance. PE sixty six, um, sort of up That's there, right? but you know, it, it, there's an E there, and there the is. thing is growing very fast. So I mean, I just don't know it well enough, as I've sort of said before. <laughs> no, me But I'm not. I'm not as automatically as bearish as as you. <laughs> never, never bet. Uh, never bet against a, a fanatic. Yes. Um, yes. Geez, we know uh, that. For Apple, don't we? S- yeah, you know. Um, so I'm, I, am you know, I, I wish you well. I think. Oh, look, I own some too. Um, <laughs> do you? Uh, because well, I've got I've got a Nasdaq ETF. Oh, okay, fair. I, I do too. So NASDAQ I own, ETF. and I've got a reasonable chunk in my super in that thing. Um, cause mm. it's just my my way of
1: getting exposed to the
0: U.S. tech giants, oh, and nice. so, uh, yeah, I own I own some too. I'm kind of yeah, pretty happy with it, really.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not negative about it necessarily. I, I my my line with Tesla was always if if elon's right and i don't know and i miss the opportunity to make some money at least he's going to save the world and if elon blows tesla up then at least i don't own the shares so i figured i figured i was, was that was my that was my hedged bet either way either the world gets saved or at least my money doesn't go down the drain so either way you know it's 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 something that was that, that was always <laughs> my view i don't i don't just like tesla i've always just seen the musk as a massive massive he, he is the cult leader uh, which makes him yeah. both the, the you know uh, massive massive upside but also the very real potential to blow the whole thing up just just going too far because he doesn't know his own limitations so uh i yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not i'm not anti Tesla in the slightest mate actually but just 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 a bit of fun and uh, yes i now own officially yeah. some tesla shares for better or worse yeah 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 yeah.
0: well you know it's it's sort of um uh the 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 interesting thing about tesla for me and again i'm not dug into it because i just mm. don't do direct stock research overseas i've <laughs> so much yeah. my plate's so full already with yeah. stuff here but but it's it's it strikes me that the what everyone sort of seemed to miss there was the incredible ability to to raise cheap capital, mm. which allowed them yes. to, to build yes, out right. incredible, like the fixed costs <laughs> for building cars is very high, <laughs> it's but right. it's a sunk cost, right? Mm-hmm. So you build these gigafactories. Yeah. And now you kind of get to a stage where it's just sort of like you've got your mm-hmm. raw inputs. Mm-hmm. You sort of put in some aluminium and some rubber and some plastic and some yep, yep. silicon and, you know, very, very... Ordinary commodity products, sprinkle of musk
1: dust, and the rest does itself. Yeah, and out comes a
0: Tesla at the other end, and (laughs) you can just crank those things. And and you know the the economics, the unit economics, can be quite attractive Mm, at scale. mm, mm. So I think that's interesting. I also think it's interesting too is the the self driving aspect is sort of long touted. It's I mean it's kind of here. It's already here. It's just it's a regulatory issue at, at this point in time. But how radically that changes. Everything, you know, I'd, I'd be more worried to be if I was an Uber shareholder. Frankly, when Tesla yeah, just starts yeah. sort of having its fleet of cars just turn up whenever you need one, and and the rest of it, what that means for trucking, how well, that AI technology translates over into robotics mm-hmm. more generally. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a there's a there's a lot of optionality for that business. Um, so yeah, interest. I mean, you probably got a bit crazy at four hundred bucks a share, but as I said, you, you're getting the chance to buy now at you know two hundred and fifteen or so. <laughs> so yeah,
1: well, I'm not sure what twenty five dollars is going to make a massive difference to either my wealth or Ian's, but uh, that's what we've done. Uh, just 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 simply for the fun of it. But uh, yes, so I, I, well, the fun I, and the
0: experience and the exposure. And like so Ian now is now whenever you guys are out and about, yeah, yeah. and he sees a Tesla, he will have that awesome feeling of oh, I own some of that. Yeah, and it's a, and yeah. and that
1: that's the point, right? He's also, so he's a, a rabid Minecraft player because that's the age he's at as well. And so Microsoft now owns Minecraft. And so there, again, it's, that was part of the reason we talked about it. I said, well, I, I, said, anyway, I said, what, what shares do you want to buy? I said, I don't know. I said, well, look around. What, what, do you, what do you like? So that's where we started with the car thing, which is fine, you know uh and, yeah. and and you know the, the other thing about we talked about climate a bit in this episode um the future's all right ian is bugging me to to upgrade our car to an ev because he you know our cars polluting and, and evs aren't so we should get one and i i try to explain to him about the whole idea of like driving the used car is better than actually the emissions in creating a brand new car and buying a new car he hasn't quite got there yet he just wants us to have a, an ev partly because they're cool i'm sure but also partly because he wants to help the climate which is which is a good thing um but yeah it, it was that it was like what, what's interesting what do you see around you what do we use a lot i said well you know what's your favorite game minecraft who owns that he said well, Mojo. I said, yeah, but who owns Mojang? I don't know. Microsoft, really? Yeah, okay. So that was that was part, It was just all that, you know. All, all, cool. God love us, we had a, more than our share of Amazon packages at the front door. And same thing, you know. Yeah. What, do you, what do we shop a lot? Well, you know, we talk about. We'll talk about Amazon. Buy Amazon. Okay, let's do that. Um, yeah. It was just yeah. it was just one of those things where I we've said a lot on this podcast talking about kids and investing. We, we haven't got much time to go into this. We won't we won't make a big deal of it. But I wanted, I wanted to put some money aside for him that he that can just simply compound away and just you know the, the very that just take advantage of time. Uh, that that's what that's the money we've put aside for him separately. But the, the I want him to start investing on his own behalf and just get the you know become an investor, learn about business, understand what it is to to compound your money, to win some, to lose some, all that stuff. Uh, pick some companies you like, understand what they do and why they do it and how much money they make. and And he had that. We've had that conversation. Now he's only nine. He's not going to get it. Get it. Um, but it's just, it just starts a conversation that I hope to kind of continue for the next well forever, hopefully, but at least the next you know seven or eight years of his of his childhood. And uh, and hopefully that'll help him understand a bit more about what happens in the share market. I
0: love it. I really do. So It's it's for that reason that uh, my kids ostensibly own a little bit of
1: Bitcoin. <laughs> <sighs> I really should have finished this podcast earlier, shouldn't I? Putting it on a country, ending it on a controversial Is, is that note? the time? We better go. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm always loathe to ask if you want to join me on Sunday, but I assume you will. Oh, you bet. 100%. Until then. Full on. Cheers.